So I realized last time we didn't do an intro because we suck. So hi, I'm America. Yeah, anyways, I was right. That's James. So. I'm and we are City Wave Cinema. I'm still right. Even from 20 minutes ago, I'm still right. It wasn't even 20 minutes ago. Was it? Was I that pumped for 20 minutes? 10 minutes ago, I'm right. Um, I've been right. I will continue to be right. You're only technically right. That's the most important kind of right. It's the best kind of right. If you're going to quote it, do it Who said I was quoting? It's the most important kind of right. It's the best type of correct. Is the actual. I, I don't even... All You've right. never seen the show, so how could I expect you to quote it correctly? What fucking show are you talking about? Futurama. <laughs> Anyways. Um. My. We're going to kick off this episode by saying we get to look at someone very pretty. He's very pretty. And so is Margot Robbie. They're very pretty people that are in a very pretty scene. And it's probably the only time in my life I've considered having a threesome. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a goddamn minute. <laughs> what the fuck? Is that in your notes? No, I just thought of it just now. I... <laughs> um, for those of you that are t- <laughs> tuning into this audibly, uh, James has gotten up and left, so... We're doing great. Where's my bat? Here it is. James gave me tequila before we started this podcast, so everything that happens from this point on is his fault. Anyways, very pretty man who's the president of this island country place um, currently, and he thinks that Harley Quinn is amazing, and he wants to woo her and wed her. And we go through this whole little montage of um, their, like, first day together. They have some lunch. They do some looking out at the view. They hang out with some birds. And uh, Harley Quinn gets a Disney princess moment, which is just her in this very pretty dress, like, with all these birds on her. And it's very beautiful. And my whole only question during this whole time is, uh, what's his actual game plan here? Because, um, I don't get it. Like, I, I feel like there was an ulterior motive. I guess there's not, but I feel like there was. Um, and then he did, yeah, he proposes to her. And all I could say was, sir, sir. You do not know what you are getting into. He wants to marry her because she is allegedly a symbol of anti-Americanism. Which she is. But, uh, Harley Quinn is fucking insane. Like, certifiably. Diagnosed. Insane. And I just, I felt the need to warn him that... He doesn't know what he's getting into. And then he stands in front of this very large window in a war-torn country. 
for a very long time. And do you rem if you remember my note from part one, I said, this movie jukes you in the best ways possible. And I just stood there and I was like, this is the perfect opportunity for him to get murdered by s someone who is like... One of his political dissidents or something. Yeah. A um, freedom fighter. Through that window, because it was just, it was so perfect. And it was so lined up for that. And I was like, that's going to happen. Um, and I said, if he isn't shot at this window, this movie has failed me. And as I was typing that, gunshot goes off. But it doesn't come through the window. No, no, no. Harley Quinn shot him. This is at sunrise, by the way. The following morning after they fucked. Violently. I, my note and viciously is, and vigorously note, and thoroughly. Shush. I had written several notes about this. I asked why everyone was ripped in this movie, and that's when you got mega horny question mark. Um, I wrote that James Gunn is a master of entertainment, and I wrote room destroying sex is the best sex question mark. Can you not? It's the best sex, so you have you to clean at? it up. What are you looking at? What? If you don't have to clean it up and you got maids and shit, go for it. But if you destroy your own house and you have to pay for that shit and clean it up afterwards, I feel like it's not as fun. Maybe. I don't know. I've never had that type of sex. so. But I also like my stuff too much, and if James and I ever did that, it would end so fast if something in our house broke. Um... My husband and dog are at the window currently, looking at some suspicious activity, it seems, because James is praising Aries for barking. So, yeah. I'm just going to keep talking. Um, even though James was catching up on his notes. Uh, so, yeah, they do have... Violent sex, and then Harley Quinn kills him. And, uh... She does a quick murder. My note is not what I was expecting, but there we go. He was shot at that window. Movie didn't fail me. But like I said, it took the expected moment and kind of just altered it just enough to be like, you thought, but you were wrong. Did you just pull it off that other hook that I purposely hooked it on? Yes. I'll be fixing that later. Sure. Um, so, then Har Harley goes on a monologue about why she shot him. And it's because he did some murders. It's because he, uh, that's where we find out that he was contributing all the political, um, dissidents. Thank you. To the starfish. Men, women, children, their families. Didn't matter. Anyone and everyone. To the starfish. And uh, Harley Quinn goes on to say, I promised after my last relationship, which if we all... Uh, Think about it for a second. ...can remember was Joker and was super um, not healthy, which I'm actually really proud of the DC universe, uh, the DC movie universe, specifically cinematic universe, for calling out that, um, and making it clear that it's not healthy and she doesn't want that for Joker and Harley. I'm really proud of them for making that a point. 
um, because it's not good and the relationship is not great and everyone that's all like relationship goals for Joker and Harley. I'm going to say this with the utmost love in my heart. Seek some help. Please. I beg of you. Um, but she says that after her last relationship, if she ever saw a red flag, she, she would, would kill. Them. She would kill him. Um, and she goes on a monologue about like, why wouldn't you just leave? Blah blah blah, and like gives the whole explanation, and says how she thinks he looks better like this, lying in a pool of his own blood. Um, Harley Quinn's fucking crazy, and so my note was, well, all right, Harley, told you you didn't know what you were getting into, my man. Um, Harley Quinn escapes, or no, she gets caught by the many soldiers. Sorry, she doesn't escape. She gets caught by the many soldiers. While marveling that the antique gun she used for the murder had a bullet in it. Um, and the soldiers capture her again, and we find out that the new president is like the lieutenant colonel. I don't know, military rankings. He's the general. General? Is he the general? There are multiple generals, and he is one of them, yes. Okay, the general, is, this particular general, is the next president, because he's next in line. Um, and he calls the dude a romantic, which the dude was self-proclaimed. And uh, then murders all the dude's birds. For reasons. No, no good reasons. Um... And I wrote, why we keep killing the birds? And then America didn't watch the movie for like a good solid two minutes. Which led to me asking James, because they were talking in Spanish and subtitles were going on while they were murdering the birds, um, to relate to America what the information was. Because America can watch so many humans die. Like, so many humans have been shot, murdered, killed, sliced in half by a helicopter, exploded, etc. Um, but can't watch birds die for like even a minute. I don't even like birds that much. So, um, yeah. And then we cut back to Task, Task Force, Force X. X. Um, and we find out, uh, in this cutaway, what exactly happened to Polka Dot that made him the Polka Dot Man. Um, and that it's... No, this is different to the comics. Polka Dot Man has a different... Backstory in the comics than he does in the movie. Is it and that's as funny? on purpose. Is it as funny? I don't know. Anyway. I just know it's different. Um. Well, for the cinematic universe, Polka Dot, uh, his mom worked at Star Labs and basically used all her children as a way to experiment and make superhumans and she wanted all her children to be superheroes and my note for that because i didn't know a lot about polka dot but what i do know being a dc fan is a lot about star labs probably too much um but i wrote that it's always fucking star labs and maybe it's not in the comics maybe i'm wrong um is it you don't know it you don't have to look it up i was just curious um if it's not in the comics Oh, 12. But at least in the movie, it did make sense that it was Star Labs because it's always fucking Star Labs that does shit. 
So, um, then we find out that Polka Dot Man pictures people as his mom to kill them because it makes it easier. And in that moment, he looks at the rest of the Suicide Squad and we find out that it's not just when he's killing people. He kind of pictures his mom everywhere. Everywhere. That's because someone asks him, where is your mom now? And he says everywhere. And you get a a POV shot, basically, of the rest of the team from Polka Dot Man's view. And they're all just this angry middle-aged lady. Now, we know he doesn't view them like that all the time because he gets prompted to view people like that later. But at least we'll give it like 75% of the time. Everybody looks like his mom. Horrifying thought. Horrifying thought. Um, we also find out that the uh, the interdimensional virus did kill his siblings. Yeah, some of them, anyways. So we find out that uh, Polka Dot Man, his mom infected him with and his siblings with this interdimensional virus at Star Labs. Did you know that there's a Star Labs location here? In Austin. Yeah, specializing in AI genetics and metahuman studies. Can we go? It's not real. Oh. I thought Star you meant, Labs isn't real. No, I thought you meant I thought you meant like it was like a like a fan exhibit or something, like the Hunger Games exhibit in Las Vegas or something. I got really excited. What the fuck is that? There's a Hunger Games exhibit in Las Vegas where you can train to be in the Hunger Games. Oh, that's tight. Yeah. No, this is a this is just a list of places that they have a facility. Oh, okay. I'm a little less excited now. Um cool that we get a shout out in the DC universe. Not cool that I can't go there. Not that I really want to go to Star Labs. Right. Like, if it was real, I don't really want to go to Star Labs. If it was like a DC fan thing, 100% going to be there. Um, but yeah, he they, she basically injected them with this virus and some of his siblings made it. Some of them are still alive, which he does say like they lived. So there are other superhumans with an interdimensional virus that maybe control polka dots. I don't know if it like manifests differently or not. Um, but they exist and they're out there. So fun for later Suicide Squad movies, maybe. Um, but yeah, then we find out that, uh, we cut to them. Where are they going? Cause I wrote, I wrote a note about they the have shark. To, they're going to go save Harley. Is that their next thing? Yeah. They want to go save Harley. No! They're going to the bar to get Thinker. Yep. Is they, that it? Yeah, they don't know Harley's alive yet. I only know because oh. I had to skip ahead in my uh, notes. I, like, didn't write any fucking notes for this whole portion. Um, so the only reason I... Well, the only reason I asked is because I wrote, you can also eat him about the shark man eating a soldier. I just didn't know what portion of the movie we were at because Nanawe eats a lot of people. Gotcha. Um... But, so basically, now that I know where we are, the team goes and they basically steal a bus and they're trying to infiltrate the city without being caught. Um, and so they steal a bus that was being investigated at a checkpoint by some soldiers. That's where it is. It's all coming back to me. Um, and the bus driver man just agrees to drive them around and suddenly joins the Suicide Squad. His name is Milton and he's cool as fuck. He's a great guy. Don't get too attached. Um... 
And so they basically all get a bunch of clothes, um, like, that they basically steal from the soldiers and, like, different packs and stuff. And they all get dressed up in disguises, and Nanawe makes a funny joke about the fact to wear a mustache to disguise himself. But they basically tell him, yeah, that's not going to work. You're going to have to stay on the bus. He gets sad because he gets left out of everything. Um, and Rick Flag is the only protagonist, really, in this series. True. Um, and this is the note where, because they are talking to Amanda Waller through this, and we get flashes of Amanda Waller's office. Um... And I just wrote that Amanda Waller is worse than Umbridge because she literally doesn't give a shit about anyone ever. Um, her only care is the American government? Question mark. It's unclear. Um, she says that like she's trying to defend this country a lot or this nation, but I'm. I don't really know. Um. I feel bad for Nanawe. I he's do. Having, he, he's just here, man. Um, and then we're traveling through the city. Town? City? Eh. Um, and we get backstory for Ratcatcher 2. Um, and I wrote backstory woot, because I like finding out... DC... I, I love DC villains. I'm not huge on DC heroes, because they generally are too perfect. Um, don't get me started on Superman. But I do love... And the reason I'm a DC person first is they have the best villains. And every villain has a gray area, which I kind of love. Um, and we find out that Ratcatcher 2, like her dad, was a really great man um, who taught her how to use... How to talk to the rats and communicate with them and like how they took care of them. Um, like, they cuddled them at night to keep them warm, all the rats, and, like, how her dad really genuinely loved her, and his only flaw was he was a drug user, and one day he overdosed. Um. Taika Waititi portrays Ratcatcher 1, and he did heroin. Uh, my only thoughts about this were... How did the disease-infested rats not infect you while they were keeping you warm at night? Because I'm all for loving animals, and I'm all for, like, pet rats. Like, I think rats are, they're super smart, they're super nice, but if they're not pet rats and they haven't been kept in, like, a sanitary environment, they do carry a lot of horrific diseases. Um, so, like, even just being around them, their fur, their... Uh, fecal matter, they're covered in fleas that are infected that can bite you. Just in general, they're not great creatures to be around, um, which is kind of the idea, but I still feel like if they covered you at night while you slept to keep you warm, I feel like you would get sick. Um, we find out why she's in prison is that she used the rats to rob a bank and they considered that, like, armed robbery because the rats were a weapon. Um, and she's like, ah, I can't believe they considered the rats a weapon. And I was like, you still robbed a bank. Like, that's still a crime. Yeah. Like, she made it seem like, I can't believe they considered the rats a deadly weapon. And I was like, even if it wasn't the rats, you still robbed a bank and are still going to jail. Um, And then... 
her and we find out why Bloodsport, because this whole moment is between her and Bloodsport. We find out why Bloodsport is afraid of rats is because one of the punishments for not succeeding one of his dad's like tests to become a killer was that his dad locked him in a crate full of hungry rats. And that would give you some PTSD um, for 24 hours, he says. So he and her have this nice bonding moment. Um, and they make a, they, they make jokes. He's like, I'm going to get you out of here alive. Don't worry. And she's like, she laughs and goes, I'm going to get you out of here alive. And my note at this point was neither of you are probably getting out of here alive. It's a nice thought. But probably not. Um, and then we see them at the bar, which we are told thinker frequently visits by Amanda Waller. Um, and we see all of their disguises, and uh, James had some comments about John Cena's disguise in particular, which I thought was a great costuming choice it, because it definitely made it seem like he definitely just found a shirt and like put it on. But uh, which is true, they they disguised him in what they had available to disguise. Oh, I don't know, normal sized humans. And John Cena, in case you didn't know, is a former WWE wrestler. Actually, he's kind of a current WWE wrestler. He appears sometimes, and before that, he was a bodybuilder. John Cena is a big, big man. He is a large man with many muscles and much mass and he's also tall he's a big guy and he's got on like a normal medium men's polo which would look fitting to my body but if you took my t-shirt off right now and put it on john cena it would sit around his belly button and the sleeves would rip because his arms are like cannons. They are simply large. And it's just any shot that isn't a headshot of Peacemaker for the rest of the movie until they get back into, like, uniforms is him in this polo. And it's just ridiculous. It's so fucking funny. And it's incredible. It's just incredible. Um... So they decide to basically enjoy themselves while they can at the bar slash strip club. Um, slash club club. And they get some drinks. They all do some dancing, which led to probably my least favorite moment in the entire film, which was we get this shot of Polka Dot Man dancing in the club. And then we get... by his mother. Yeah, we, we get this, like, perspective shot of him... And what he's seeing, and it's just his mother is everyone, and his mother is grinding on him, and his mother's, like, touching his arm. It's a whole fucking awful thing it to was look off. at. It was, it was awful. Um, and God bless the actress that played that role, because... She didn't have any speaking lines. She was just there to exist. Yeah, and Hilarious. she did a great job at doing that. Um, and here is a portion... Where I, and maybe I missed it, and maybe James can fill me in, because sometimes when I'm taking notes, I do miss things, and there was a lot of pausing with this one for me to show James Umbrella Academy clips, and pizza got delivered, and a lot of things. Um, but the soldiers rolled up to the bar. Yeah. And all I wrote was, how did they know that the Americans were at the bar, club, strip club? Okay. They probably assumed they were there for Thinker. 
since he is a, quote, metahuman. And they were interrogating Harley about metahumans. So they know of the existence of metahumans, and they know that this, because Blaggard contacted them, they know that there's this ethereal group of American metahumans somewhere on the island somewhere. And if they know what Thinker's routine is, and that he goes to the bar all of the time, they can guess that they're probably trying to get him. Maybe they think that's his the Suicide Squad's main objective, is to get Thinker, maybe to like recruit him or some shit. So that's how I rationalized it in my head, but they don't explain it in plot or exposition at all. Okay, it really bothers me then that they just showed up to the bar. Case point done. Um, Bloodsport goes over to Thinker and basically tells him that he's coming with them at gunpoint and Thinker does nothing for the... And I wrote that note. I don't understand what Thinker's deal is. I don't either, but the soldiers burst in and, like, you know, a normal hostage when everyone's, like, got their guns pointed at the good guys is, like, hey, over here, like, they're over here. Thinker does nothing, like, the entire time except follow orders. It's weird. Um, and they say they're looking for four Americans, like, to all the patrons of the bar. So, like, just show us your papers and you'll be good. Um... And my only thought as they do this is because they make this plot with uh, Ratcatcher 2 and Polka Dot Man that they're going to take the thinker to the bus and get the bus driver and they're going to meet them at this coordinates. And then they like Bloodsport and Peacemaker and Rick Flag all turn themselves in to the soldiers. And as Bloodsport starts to talk, my only thought is... Technically, based on his accent, Bloodsport's not an American. No, no. And, um... I don't think they asked Idris Elba to change his accent whatsoever. Which is fine. But going into a bar and saying you're looking for four Americans and then hearing someone with a very distinctly not American accent... I I don't know. It was just annoying. It was an annoying moment for me. Because I said he is definitely not an American. Um, I mean, he clearly doesn't belong, but he's also not an American. And then, uh, the thinker starts to get sassy with Ratcatcher. Um, and she says, how would you like to have, I think she says a thousand, I'm just going to say a thousand, a thousand rats crawl up your ass. And he says, your answer might not, or my answer not, might not be what you expect. And I wrote, <laughs> Thinker is kinky. <laughs> I didn't make a note about it, but I did think something along those lines. I was like, oh. Uh, yeah, he was like, my answer might surprise you. And I was like, my guy. Settle down with the young lady, all right? Easy, tiger. Um, Violent then, sex is the best sex, question mark? Yeah, I guess if you're a supervillain. Sex with rats up your ass? I mean, if you're a supervillain, let's be real, violent sex is probably the only sex you're having. That's disturbing, what you just said right there. You're not wrong, but it's disturbing. 
I feel like supervillains would all fall under that kink, right? Probably. No kink shaming. I'm just saying it's probably a common trait among supervillains. We know Hartley and Joker share it. Yeah. Um. And then I got really confused for a little bit because I didn't quite understand what the plan was for Peacemaker, Bloodsport, and Flag. So I wrote, what's the plan? Oh, just murder everyone on this car and get out. Why get captured? And then an immense amount of bullshit happens that gets them to the exact coordinates that they told the rat catcher to meet them at. And that's I mean, the that just ticks the superhero movie box for me. I was like, that's the only explanation I have. He says, meet, meet us at these coordinates. We'll be there. They murder all the guards in the van. In this really cool sequence, it still was really cool. Um, they like have these really cool lines about killing someone with one shot. Then they all three kill the guards in the back of the van with one shot. It was really cool. Great moment. They murdered the two guards driving. But while they're murdering the two guards driving, they can like create this mass set of car accidents. And then the last one involves them um, after they've murdered both Rolling the guards. Rolling over off the road. To dodge a semi. Which they don't dodge. They hit it and just By skip Peacemaker offside. basically driving like a finger. Yeah. But they didn't hit it head on. They did like they avoid like it. They like skipped off the side. And then rolled their car down a ditch and then the bus comes up. I don't know, man. It was, a, it was an action movie sequence. I can't blame them for it. They are to be wrong. Cataclysmic odds. I can absolutely see them surviving the roll, though, because it is an armored transport car, and all of them are strong enough that if they just, like, brace against the roof and the floor, as long as the armored car holds up, they can maintain their position in the rolling car. Fine. So it's like, scientifically, now listen, listen, scientifically, that's, like, the best that you can ask for out of this sequence. Th they... Set it all up Scientifically, to be, as you're talking about superhumans. Uh, yeah. Scientifically, it's bullshit and ridiculous. But also, that's the best odds that anyone survives that car crash. Um, Bullshit. And then I wrote bullshit slightly reduced because James made the armored oh. car uh, note. And then they, uh, the bus pulled up and I was like, never mind. Not reduced bullshit. Just bullshit. No, straight bullshit that they found them. But... Uh, you know, it, not every movie can be perfect. In fact, almost all of them cannot be. And then we get one of those funny transition moments where they wrote Mission... What is it? Mission Jotunheim? Yep. And uh, Rick Flag. This is when Rick Flag finds out that Harley's oh, alive. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's and right. he goes, nope. We got something to do. And the whole, like, the mission <laughs> words, which is written in the fire of the exploding vehicles, changes to Mission Harley. Um, and then we find Harley being... Tortured. Smash cut to Harley being tortured. And yeah, I was like, uh. We're both sitting there going, no. I was like, this isn't going to end the way the guards think it does because, um. They got one guy with a stun baton in there. Like. Yeah, they have. They're just electrocuting her over and over again. And if you didn't watch the first Suicide Squad. She was with the squad, Joker. If you didn't watch the first Suicide Squad, one of the things that Joker and Harley did in their, like, oh, very. Oh, I'm not going to kill you. Early... I'm just going to hurt you real. Early moments in the relationship is Joker just sat there and electrocuted Harley for brain. reasons and a really long time, and Harley was into it. 
For reasons? See the previous kink mentioned. Um, kink shame! Kink shame! I'm not kink shaming, I just said see previous kink mentioned. I'll shame the non-existent kink. It's not a non-existent kink, that is a very real kink. I'll shame it in that instance. Um, yeah, Harley likes torture. Margot Robbie does a phenomenal job, I love her so much, the character and the actress. Uh, this ain't nothing compared to what Harley has been through previously with the Joker. Truly, truly, they cannot do anything as bad to her as what Joker did. So She just starts singing, and like she's having a great time. She's having a time, and then fakes passing out. Yep. I, w- I wrote, she is also insane, so I don't know what these guards think they're going to get by electrocuting her, except maybe some, like, weird trauma flashbacks, which has happened in previous Suicide Squad movies before. Sure. Um, but... Yeah. So we it's get, just a whole fucking ridiculous thing. That's the only moment we get of that. We don't, um... And then we smash cut over to... Task Force X, who is trying to make a plan to rescue cut Harley. This super complicated, convoluted plan to get into the building, clear it, and rescue Harley. <laughs> and we just get a quick, brief cut of them planning that and, like, getting set up. And this is the first note that I actually, and I don't know if I missed it before, but I actually get to see Bloodsport, like, do his helmet. It's fucking cool. It's fucking cool. I wrote, that's a really cool helmet, because basically he, like, pushes this button on his suit and his helmet goes it's like it's built into his collar and it looks like a skull on the bottom it's really and it just encompasses his head it's fucking cool it's metal it's really dope it's much better than peacemaker's helmet which looks like, which a, looks toilet like a toilet seat which is a comment that's made during this portion um and it is a dumb helmet but peacemaker thinks it looks cool which he also comments on and then we <laughs> smash cut back to harley um and my next note is i fucking love harley because here's what fucking happens harley quinn fakes being passed out like james said um the guards leave or one of the guards leave the other guards is texting on his phone completely distracted because he thinks she's passed out and the other guards like when she wakes up let me know we're gonna chop off her fingers and see if she talks then uh he takes the other dude's stun gun which i think was a stupid move um because you at least have her like while she's being electrocuted, she can't fight you. She might not, like, be affected by it, but she definitely, like, can't move because volts of electricity are coursing through her body. Um, but the other guy takes it and is like, yeah, just wait till she wakes up. The guy starts texting, um, and Harley Quinn very quietly and with the stealth of a motherfucking ninja pulls herself up by her chains that she's been held by. Like, her feet can't touch the ground, so it's just her arms up here, and she pulls herself up. And she triangle chokes that motherfucker till he dies. Breaks his motherfucking neck with only her legs. And then she uses her toes to get the keys, unlocks herself with her toes. Which, by the way, because I did read the trivia, Margot Robbie did that stunt herself. She unlocked the lock herself. On set. And it is... I'll say this. I read it in the trivia. Uh, James Gunn, it's his biggest regret is that they shot it and he was just blown away that she could do it by herself and she didn't need a stunt double to come in and do it. And it was awesome. It was super cool. And then he gets into the edit and he's editing the movie. And in the shot, when she goes to do it, some like part of her costume flips up and it's covers her, her face. Arms. Her arms are covering yeah. her face. So her face is covered. So it looks like a, like a 
cheap shit way to get a stunt double in there to do the move, right? But it's not. It's just Margot Robbie. And he's like, my biggest regret is that we didn't reshoot it so that it wouldn't block her face. So that we didn't get it from another angle so that her face wouldn't be covered. Which is, it's just like, I get it. As someone who's filmed stuff, I so understand the instant regret that happens when you get into the edit room after you thought you made a perfect shot and you get in there and it's not what you wanted. It's fine, but it's not what you wanted. And you're like, fuck, I can't reshoot it. And it's just so upsetting. It's so upsetting. But yeah, she did it by herself. It's super cool. Also, fun fact, Margot Robbie does a lot of her own stunts. So go Margot Robbie. Go Margot Robbie. Um, and this, we get a super epic, amazing, definitely not played to fully use Margot Robbie and the fact that Harley Quinn is probably one of the most beloved DC characters to its full money-making potential. Um, but we get this full, really cool epic sequence of Margot Robbie just breaking herself out of this heavily guarded cell she's in slash... The house she currently made love in slash the president's house. Um, and my note is Harley is legit a jack of all trades. Because not only do we see... I don't want to spoil it for you because it's a really awesome sequence. So I'm not going to walk you through the play-by-play. But we do see her use guns, use a knife, use, use martial arts. Random objects around her. Random objects she finds. And it's in this moment that we need to truly, really respect. Because, I mean, through comics... The movies that we've seen, Birds of Prey, Suicide Squad, this one, uh, cartoons, Harley Quinn can pretty, it's made a note that Bloodsport and uh, Peacemaker, that anything can be a weapon in their hands, but I think we should make the same note about Harley Quinn, because literally Harley Quinn rips off her dress and uses it to like fucking strangle a man, so, and then toss him at some other guys, and then she kills them too, so... Harley Quinn is a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to murder and weapons, and I think that should be expressed, acknowledged, and respected. Maybe not respected because it's murder, but... Fair. As a comic book universe, we should give her more credit. Um, because she's literally Harley motherfucking Quinn, which is my next note. Um, but yeah. She breaks out. She hails a cab as blood is all over her face, and... Her dress is torn, and she's carrying a giant javelin that she found the javelin as she was escaping, which is an important note because she has the rest of the thing and uses it as her basically her only weapon for the rest of the yeah pretty much thing is the javelin. Um, and my only other note about this sequence of note, like it's important, and I still don't have a weird explanation for it other than Harley Quinn question mark. Is uh, while Harley is murdering all these people, there's just flowers. And this really pretty music, and there's just flowers as she, like, every time she stabs. So the blood, basically, and every background behind Harley is just flowers. Like it's, these really 60s, like, flowers. It's animated. They're, they're like, hand-drawn. It looks really fucking cool. It does look cool. There's just never, like, an explanation given, and my only thought could be, this is Harley's happy place. Um, so yeah. Smash cut, because Harley hails a cab, she gets in the cab. Um, smash, and she sees, so 
I guess not smash cut, but she sees the dorkiest rescue squad ever. Rolling up to the house that she was just in prison at. And you just see these fucking buff, like... Again, like, Margot Robbie's it's, not big. Idris so, like, Elba and fucking... Rick Flagg and Peacemaker. Joel, Joel Finnegan? Fin what the fuck is his name? So Peacemaker, Bloodsport, yeah. Rick Flag, all, like, walking across the alley, like, trying to, like, stealth... Oh, Peacemaker's not there. He's up in the fucking rafters. Oh, that's right. So who's with them? It's just Idris Elba and, uh... Or it's just... It's just those Rick two? Fla yeah, it's just Rick Flag and... Bloodsport. So Bloodsport. they're just, like, running up and they're, they like... They hustle across the street and she goes... Hmm. And so she... We assume she gets out of her cab, but then we see them, like, doing all these calls and, like, comms, and they're oh, like, this, can you see, can you do, like, is there anyone on your effort. side, blah, 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 Ratatouille, like, to Ratcatcher, and, like, all this stuff, and then, like, Bloodsport, like, shoots up, like, his grappling, um, Line. pin, yeah, and, like, starts climbing up the side of the building, like, all ninja-like, and, like, Peacemaker's got an eye to sniper this, like, chick in the office that's the only person you can see, and Harley just walks up, and she's like... What are y'all doing? <laughs> and they're like, "What? Well, we were gonna rescue you." And she's like, "She like starts to cry." She's like, "You were gonna rescue me? That's so sweet." And like, like she's like, "I can go back inside, and you can do it if you want." Because they were like, "We made this whole plan. Like it was a thing. Like we worked really hard on this plan." She's like, "I can go back inside." And Blood Sports like, "Well, that's kind of patronizing." <laughs> and like, climbs. that's patronizing. It's so fucking funny, dude. Um. So fucking funny. And like she gives rat uh she gives Rick Flag this like hug. And a, he just, a long hug. And he just starts rubbing her back with the gun. Not his hand, not his hand even touching it's it. It's just, just the gun. Just the gun it's that like he stroking was holding. Her back with, it's so funny. It's so the funny. The hand motions we did were not great. Um, but here we are. Um, and guess who's still here? After all this time, we find out. The bus driver. Just hanging out still. Um, and I wrote, the bus driver's a real friend. <laughs> like, he has no, like, they haven't been holding him at gunpoint. They haven't been really doing anything. Milton's just sort of been there, dude. He's just, like, hanging out with the team. Driving them around, chauffeur, semi-assist. Like, he tried to warn them when the guards rolled up, like, or the soldiers rolled up when they were in the bar. Like, he's just been a real homie. Go, Milton. It's really funny. Don't get too attached. So now we gotta go to Yonan. Um, and it was at this moment that I made a prediction about the movie that wasn't true, but based on, like, how I looked at the time of the movie left and I made this comment to James and it wasn't true, um, but it's a note that's important because they make a joke about this later, so I'm going to say it anyways, even though it didn't come out to be, for uh, come to fruition, but I said, bet that that starfish is already Godzilling its way to America. Because if you haven't seen some of the most recent Godzilla movies, the one where he... the this Not the most recent one with Millie Bobby Brown, but the one before that, he uh basically, like, swims his way to Japan to go fight Mothra. And, like, that's, like... The, there's, like, this whole scene of, like, he basically awakens and is like, <laughs> no, bitch, I'm the best monster on this planet. And, like, swims his way from Japan to America. And there's a bunch of, like, ships and, like, helicopters following him. And that was my note, is basically, uh, bets that that starfish is already Godzilling its way to America. Um, and that's the only reason I say that note, because I know James made a note about the actual joke they make about that later. But I want to say it to 
prove that I made the joke first. You you <laughs> you had the kaiju thought. I had it in my brain, and then they talk about it later, and I was like, ha! Well, they do mention it later. Um. Then we get this cut of the team rolling up to Jotunheim. Thank you for fuck's sake. Every time I go to say it. I've heard you say it so much, and they said it so much in the movie. And every time I go to put it out of my mouth, my brain just goes, eh, and like error screen flashes across my eyes, and just doesn't come All right, out. Ready? Yo, yo, ton, ton, Heim, Heim, Jotunheim, Jogenberg. What? That's what I've been wanting to say all night. It's not Jogenberg. <laughs> Jogenberg. I'll make it's it. It's not even Jogenberg. <laughs> it's not even German. It's fucking Norse. Jotunheim is Norse. It it's the land German. of the giants in the Norse. It sounds German. Jotunheim they, is a real they place talk in about Marvel. It with Nazis. The Nazis seeked asylum after World War and II on that island. Jotunheim. Did I say it? Fucking congratulations. You know how to fucking pronounce the word that you've been pretending to not know how to pronounce the whole I, time. It hasn't been pretending. Literally, every time I go to say it, I go, Jokimberg. Jo it's not any of those things. <laughs> Jägermeister? That's an alcohol. Wienerschnitzel? That's a food, question mark? Jesus Christ. We've gone so off the rails in <laughs> ten seconds. America shouldn't drink in podcast. Clearly. Um, but we roll up and we see the heaviest rain I have ever seen in my life, but comparative to what James and I ran through the other night to chase our trash cans. So... Really heavy, heavy, heavy rain that's, like, so thick, I don't even know how they can see. Um, and they start walking up to start fighting the guards at Jotunheim. Um, and Harley Quinn's eating an apple because she's an asshole. Great asshole, but still an asshole. Um... And then I made a note, and it's the first note in this uh, series, comparative to other movies, that I don't know why I wrote it. And that's unfortunate. What's the note? Uh, this guy has a rough job. I have no idea. Me either. Tragic. You pulled a me. I did, and it's actually the first one for either of us for this podcast. Anyways, they go to Jotunheim, and the next, the next note that I have, because the, the rain starts, they make it through the checkpoint because the, the thinker is driving the van, and they, they get in there, and they pull up to the building, and it starts raining, like, really, really heavily. And the sun's still out, so it's like, it's just fucking bright everywhere, because... When the, if, if you've ever experienced it rain, like, really heavily while the sun is out in another portion of the sky and just blaring light in, the rain will refract that light everywhere. And that shit is so fucking bright. And it's like being bathed in light. So they get out the van, and it's almost like filming on a white backdrop. It's just, like, all this fucking bright lights and they're walking through and you get the cinematic view of like them walking up and these guards walking up and they just start doing murder you know because they're bad guys and fucking Nanue there's this incredible shot where Nanue like finds the last guard who's like scared and panicking and just like rips him in half and it's the super cinematic shot where his like entrails are still connected between the upper and lower half of his body and lightning strikes in the background and it's just just incredible shot. That's so fucking fun. Um 
they get inside and they make this plan. They're basically going to blow it up. Um, and they start putting bombs, like, with the sticky putty and the explosives. And they start working as a team to put bombs everywhere. And it's, uh, told that Flag and Ratcatcher are going to go downstairs and do the second part of the mission with Thinker, which is basically destroy the project and the information about it. Um... And then we see, and the only reason I'm saying this is because I wrote a note about it, and I love him so much. Nanue is one of my favorite characters in this movie. He makes like this little this little peacemaker out of the putty and the dynamite, and he just holds it up to Peacemaker and he goes. Peacemaker's kind of a dick about it at first, and then he like sticks it to the wall, and Peacemaker's like, it's actually very good. Yeah, he goes, Peacemaker. Stick it to the wall. And yeah. It's, it's then he, nice, but then nice he moment. immediately turns into a dick again and goes, that looks nothing like me. Nothing like me. Um, he's a douchebag. He's a douchebag version of Captain America. Um, and then they're caught on the cameras doing all this. Because of course they are. The rats only chew through the ones at the front, apparently. The outside cams go down, but not the inside cams. So now the guards inside are alerted to the problem. So the security guard at the... Yogenberg? Yo. I'm going to have an aneurysm. Yo. Yo. Tun. Tun. Heim. Heim. Jotun. Jotun. Heim. Heim. Jotun. Jotun. Heim. Jotunheim. Jotunheim. All right, we don't have all of the time in the world to wrap this fucking movie up. I know, I still have 50 notes to get through. Jesus Christ, Really? Uh, yeah, I'm at 103, and I wrote 152. Fuck, we might just need to go off my list where I have, like, seven more. Um, well, no, because I can speed through these. So, uh, my next note is jump out as you have notes. That would be my advice. Stop looking at your damn phone and jump out when you have I'm sorry, notes. shit's happening. Um, I wrote, you shouldn't have, you should have taken out Boob McKenzie when you had the chance. Boob McKenzie? Boob McKenzie. Oh, Boob's McKenzie. Um, because... We, the security guard the calls shot. the security guard calls the front office lady who Peacemaker had a hit on when he, they were trying to rescue yeah. Harley. Yeah. And the only reason I call her Boobs McKenzie is because when she comes into frame later, James goes, "Wow, it's just it's just tits. They're everywhere." Like it, it, and it's, then it hurts. It's, it's so, just it's, it's a lot. So fucking funny. It's like it's like having such an out of place thing in the middle of this movie. Like it's a very serious, tense moment. In the middle of this, this action sequence where we're like our heroes are gonna get caught, like all this stuff's going on and then this just... wonderful actress just runs in and she's her boobs are just like it's like a one of those square cut tops that like are like made to show off the top of your boobs. And it's just, she runs we in. We call that Cleveland cleavage, James. It, it's just everywhere. They're all over the place, just can we get one more re- reenactment from you? Just back to your chair. Thank you. It's so fucking funny. Um, again, if you're not tuning it's into so this live, you're missing an experience. You are. Um, between this and the Cinderella dance moment, I think we've had some good times. Oh my god. Um, then we get a flash cut of Rick Flag and Ratcatcher in the elevator, and we see the buttons, and the buttons make me laugh because it goes negative one. Instead of going like, basement 
or like ground floor, basement, blah, blah, blah. Like it's like negative one, negative two, negative three, and then dirty little secrets. Dirty little secrets. Which I think is just a joke. It is, but it made me write, who made this elevator? Because they should make all the elevators. I mean, yeah, might well, well as well. Um, and then we find out through the starfish possessed people that starfish isn't actually that bad. I mean, he well, is. But no, well. he was he was more created. He just wanted to float in the stars and live his starfish space life. Um, and the Americans did steal him from living his starfish space life. And we also find out that, like, through the people, that uh, Thinker is bad. He's a bad, bad man. And he's been torturing Starfish, basically, for bad, bad 30 man. years. 30 years of torture. And Starfish is, like, mad. he thinks that the people there are going to help him. Like, Rick Flag and Ratcatcher are there to help him. Which they're not there to not do, but they're not there to help him. No, they're there to kill him. That's, like, part of their mission. He doesn't know that, but that is that is why they're there. Um, and then we find out the truth, which James is already we've already talked about because we suck at starfish timelines. Apparently, me and James and in general, but we find out that the Americans no, because you made a comment that was wrong about a different starfish moment. We just starfish moments. Oh, I missed that. Are all mixed up. Um, but damn fucking Waller. Damn fucking America and the government. And I this is the note that I wrote. We are worse than Umbridge. Like the American collective are worse than Umbridge. Because we find out that the Americans basically captured the starfish. We're the ones that captured the starfish. I missed that at the beginning. But then it's really nailed home here. And then we make a deal with this government on this little island to let us perform our experiments here. And basically keep their mouth shut about it. Because we don't want to be associated with it. We just want to have this secret alien entity yeah. in our back pocket in basically. case we need it. Yeah. Um, which is the most... Again, if you uh, watch this movie and you don't catch the social commentary in it, watch it again. Um, and I wrote a lot of notes that basically just fucking Waller, this sucks, blah, blah, blah. Um... And this is where I wrote my note, my note that this movie jukes you left and right in a good way because Peacemaker shows up downstairs where... Uh, He's not supposed to be there. He's supposed to be planting bombs according to the plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Waller, secretly, planted Peacemaker in the A-Squad, Suicide Squad. He is still a criminal, but she did pick him and tell him to do a secret thing. Because he has this really, like hyperfixation with, like, Morka and Peace of the Nation and Merk, um, to ensure that the mission, the actual mission, which is, if you remember, to destroy Project Starfish and all the records, goes according to plan. When Rick Flagg figures out that the American government's behind all this torturous experimentation, blah, 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 kids, women, families, didn't matter who, he says that the American public deserves to know and he's going to publicize that information. And Peacemaker is there to ensure that that doesn't happen. Right. So, they get in a fight. And it is a knockdown drag-out fight. And before they fully get to finish their fight... Starro the Conqueror. Nope. 
the explosives go off early. Oh. And no one knows why. And they're all knocked under some rubble. Smash cut! To three minutes, eight minutes? It's three minutes. Three minutes earlier. Or five? Uh, some. No, it's eight. You're right. It's eight, eight minutes. Eight minutes earlier. Um. Eight minutes earlier, Nanue found his new friends. Yes. <laughs> Nanue found his way to this aquatic chamber thing. Wait, hang on. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. You're right. The drag out fight happens right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I lied. Sorry. So I, because I wrote some notes, I'm going to speed through, run through them because I do realize that we're at 56 minutes and this episode's going to go long and I apologize. I wrote, if the rat dies, I quit because Sebastian, who is Ratcatcher's friend, is there. Um, I wrote, is Flag going to die? Because like I said, Peacemaker <laughs> and Flag are having this drag out fight after it's after the explosion. They're fighting like then they get this awesome cinematic shot. And I'm surprised you didn't make a note of it because I asked if it was a good shot where they're we're only seeing the fight. Through the reflection in Peacemaker's helmet. I answered you while we were watching the movie, by the way. I know, I heard you. I'm just surprised you didn't make a note about it to talk about on podcast. I was Mr. too I was too engrossed in it. Mr. Filmmaker Man. But we get this whole shot where like the first minute, sixty seconds of this fight is just in the reflection of Peacemaker's helmet. And I thought it was really cool, but I had to confirm with James whether or not that was a good shot, because I don't know. It was a really fucking cool idea. Very, um, very cool. I wrote, is Flag going to die? Because <laughs> I was distressed. Um, and then I wrote, the, I hope the shark eats Peacemaker. Because <laughs> I thought that would have been really cool. Um, I wrote, you're both going to die here. Because as they start fighting, James is right. <laughs> Starfish breaks through. And it's uh, it's called... Starro the Conqueror. Starro the Conqueror is his actual name. Breaks through and starts like futzing around in there. Because they broke open the glass. And he captures Thinker and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I wrote, oh, my God, flag. No, because he gets Peacemaker down. He's choking him out. And Peacemaker takes this piece of tile that is shattered off the wall and stabs Rick Flag in the heart twice. And his heart fucking stops. It's, we see it because we actually see it because, like, if you don't actually see, like, someone die in a DC movie, like, really, really die, they, they're not dead. Any movie, actually, recently, of all things. Um, any TV show. If you don't see a dead, dead body, they're not dead. We see that tile literally puncture Rick Flagg's heart. Like, we get to see it go through his... Yeah, the animated inside his chest cavity, tile heart. through heart. And he's dead. Um, and I wrote, this movie is so good, the story is unpredictable. Because every prediction I had was either entirely false or just like a hair off like harley shooting the dude instead of him being sniper shot through the window um and then we smash cut to eight minutes earlier um and you can talk about the nawe moment because you started talking about it and i Nanawe finds his way on accident because they're using, like, the elevators to go up and down the building to plant explosives. But he's too heavy. Uh, no, I think he's just dumb. Um, he accidentally... Or he doesn't fit. Either way, he accidentally leads his way into a staircase, wanders into this chamber that's basically just this long circular aquarium, because the building's circular, and inside this aquarium are all these little gooey... Jellyfish kind of like creatures with eyeballs. They're really cute. So cute. cute. <laughs> They're really cute. And they like 
all come out of hiding to form this like image of a shark that looks like Nanue. And I only want he's just happiness. like playing with them. I only want happiness for him. He's like playing with them and they're having a nice time. And then <laughs> the shit explodes and then everything goes awry. And um, and we cut up to the team that's up a floor above Nanawe, who is hanging out with his fish friends. And he he says this really fun of like, new dumb friends. Yep. <laughs> and like skips along before everything explodes. New dumb friends. Thank you for doing a better, deeper version of the thing I can't do. Here to help. Um, and we cut up, and uh, the other team is still setting explosives up on the floor above, but right as uh, someone bends... Oh, also, by the way, we kind of glossed over it, but the Starro the Conqueror full-killed the Thinker. Like, as soon as the explosives go off and his glass ruptures, like, he grabs Thinker with his tentacle t- tentacles... Rips him in half and slams him into a window, turning him to goo. Because I have a note from before this where it says, Thinker can't think when he is goo. True. So, now that we're caught up. Um, we drop all the explosives because we suck. Yup, we accidentally are way to dropping the explosives while we get in a firefight. And while the three main characters bend down to pick up the explosives... The person who doesn't bend down is Milton, the bus driver, and he gets shot. Milton gets fucking riddled with bullets and dies. Um, which leads to a really funny sequence um, between Harley and Polka Dot, which I actually kind of want to leave because they feel like you should watch the movie. We can't yeah, tell you everything. there's lots of stuff you should watch. Um, I wrote, I still love Harley. And then so, then some guards come up the stairs, some soldiers, and Polka Dot goes to do his Polka Dot thing, which is shoot the acid. <laughs> And all you hear is Harley's go. Harley goes, no! And I wrote Harley's really smart. She might be, but she's actually smart because in the line of Polka Dot's acidic melting Polka Dot's is all the explosives they dropped. And that sets off the explosion that no one was expecting, which jumps, starts the rest of this movie. Um... And, like, the aquarium explodes. The uh, bloodshot breaks his helmet down. I was like, does that helmet help him breathe underwater? I don't know why that's important. Because, like, it's flooding. The building's flooding now. They're being washed out. Um, Nanawe is getting eaten by his fish, which leads me to write a note that this movie is unpredictable because the cute little jellyfish we see start nomming on his face. They turn into, like, piranhas, and they're like... It it is disturbing. It's really sad. I just want only good things for Nanawe. And they fucking swarm his ass. Um, and then we have Nanawe, like, he falls out of the building in the water. He, he falls down, the like, ground. 80, eight stories. He's so indestructible, like James says. 130 feet or some shit. He's fine. They fire at him. He's fine. They shoot him with a lot of bullets and it just doesn't penetrate his skin. Bloodsport Grapples, his thing is hanging out as the building's, like, tilting and all the water's falling out. And they start shooting at him with the most epic stormtrooper aim I have ever seen outside of Star Wars. It's pretty impressive, frankly. Um, and then Bloodsport falls down, so he gets inside, like, Harley pulls him inside, but he, the ground crumbles underneath where he's standing, and he drops so many floors, 
He so many floors. All eight floors. Until he's at the bottom where he sees Peacemaker about to fire Rat Catcher, who has taken the drive that has all the information that uh, Rick Flagg wanted to publicize to the American world. She has grabbed it. Run. She's on the end of Peacemaker's gunshot, and he's about to fire. Bloodsport sees this, and after having this huge dick measuring contest and never liking Peacemaker, the entire movie takes zero convincing to shoot his ass. And so they both fire at the same time because they're expert marksmen. And we see this really cool epic shot of like, and then Bloodsport's bullet is a little smaller than Peacemaker's bullet, and it penetrates his bullet and it shoots Peacemaker right in the neck. And we are presumed he's dead. He and, does bleed profusely. Um, is shocked and falls over allegedly. And my notes for this were kill him, and this will take no convincing for Bloodsport to kill him. Um, and then. <laughs> Starro the Conqueror. Dude, you gotta learn names. You gotta learn what the facility is called. You gotta learn what the fucking bad guy is called. I was about to called. say it. I just paused for a second. Starro. Starro the Conqueror bursts out of the building. He's like, <sighs> and uh, this wakes up the fucking team back in the states. Yeah, and they're like, oh fuck, because he basically knocked out the comms. They their comms the com were blocked jammers. for like this whole time. We kind of forgot to mention that. Watch the movie. Watch yourself. the fucking movie. <laughs> There's a lot of details we didn't get to. Especially because now we're rushing, so we're really speeding through some shit here at the end, which is good. Because go watch the final climax of the movie. It's worth it. But it wakes up Amanda Waller's team, who's all been asleep because they haven't been able to do anything for this whole time. And they're like, holy shit, kaiju, and like they make that actual joke in the movie. Um, and basically. What we see is Starro explode out his bebes from his there. His I'm armpit. Say, there. I'm going to say their armpit vagina thing. What? Uterus. Um, bebes. So many bebes. And they start swarming. And I was like, we get to play the game right now of don't have to be the fastest. Don't even have to be good at anything. You just, just have can't to cover be the your slowest. Face. Um, ready, go. Um, but I did say that Starro the Conqueror kind of looks, like, if you really think about everything you're seeing, like, you just, the way the, the way the animation moves and everything, it's really funny to look at once he's standing up in, like, not water. Bloodsport has also taken the drive and hidden it in his armor. Yes, he now has the arm, uh, the drive, because, uh, Ratcatcher tells him, uh... The fucking... Um, all the soldiers get... They get possessed and shit, and the fucking... And then we smash cut, really briefly, to the presidential house, where we see the freedom fighters take over, and I literally keep forgetting they're a part of this movie, because every once in a while we'll smash they're, it. They're there, just we, in the back somewhere. Literally, we just keep... Literally, like, not even 60-second clips of them just, like, storming the Capitol, taking over the Capitol, and I literally keep forgetting they're a part of this movie. Um... The starfishes are pretty. They're pretty colors. They could be ugly. Um, the starfish fully walks off the squad. He basically is like, this land's mine now. I don't have beef with you because I know you weren't here because I'm like an... I, I know everything because I watched everything because I have like people. So, like... 
I mean, he tries to take them over, but they cover their faces. But at, he talks to them as that uh, as the general dies. Yeah, he says, this city is mine, and then he just carries on. Yeah, he doesn't have beef with the squad. And he knows that, and the it's, squad knows that. That's, none of that is clear. You're just insinuating it. I mean, he doesn't kill them. Yeah, he doesn't kill them. So that pretty much is like, he's like, if you leave now, we're good. Bye. That's oh, um, fucking weird. And then we hear the Task Force fixed, X. Do you read me? And all I could think about this entire time was, I'm sorry, they still have their earpieces in. Right. They've been fucking yeeted around this place for like an hour. They've been underwater. It's been like days since they've heard from Amanda Waller. Like the last time they heard her was on their way to the club slash bar slash strip club. Um, and that's been, like, some time. So they still all have their earpieces in? Weird. I would have taken them out. Um, and then we get, like, but she basically tells them, hey, your mission's done. As long as the drive and the shit is, or as long as the files are destroyed and the building is destroyed, get the hell out of there. Because all she's concerned with is making sure that the word doesn't get out that the American government was involved with any of this. Oops. Um, and no one tells her that the files aren't destroyed. No one points that out because they're bad guys, but they're not evil. And they're not stupid. So the uh, Suicide Squad all makes a collective decision to go fight Starro the Conqueror and disobeys Amanda Waller. And she gets mad and she's like, I'll explode you! And I don't know if it was editing or just incredible acting, but her eyes literally turned red. Viola Davis is very good. Um, and it would not surprise me if she could, like, make her eyes tense up so much that they looked red, because, like, I've been told that my eyes can turn red, so maybe that's, like, just a thing she can do on command. Um. She got very angry. And she's about to press the button to explode explode blood blood sport, because they are technically defecting from their mission, which is, if you know of the Suicide Squad, reasons to be exploded. But instead... She gets knocked unconscious by her staff. They hit her with a golf club. And I, um... My only note about that is get on the satellite, Dale, you fucking dickhead. Which is a line spoken by one of the staff. I wrote... As they go to assist the Suicide Squad in their attempt to bring down Starro the Conqueror. I wrote that this is also what happens when you don't treat your employees well. (laughs) They hit you with golf clubs. They do a lot of bad things. Take note, corporate America. Corporate America doesn't listen to our podcast. If they do, send clip this. Send it to whoever you <laughs> fucking want. Yeah, fuck you. Treat your employees well, or they might beat you over the head and knock you unconscious. <laughs> More than once. Jesus Christ. Anyways, the reproductive giant starfish parts make me uncomfortable. And if we needed any more confirmation that America is straight, there you go. Um, Unless it's with Margot Robbie and that other guy. And then we get, like, the Amanda Waller squad that has taken over the mission, because Amanda Waller's unconscious, uh, is feeding the task for the Suicide Squad information. And um, really funny moment in the movie is the white pronunciations of Hispanic names are so dead on and so funny it was great um 
if you need reference, just try to listen to me say any German name that I said during the Jogenborg? <laughs> um, so, yeah. You're just as white. I know. Um, and then the starfish, like, the Suicide Squad starts fighting the starfish, and the starfish just, like, at one point parts his leg, and, like, his army of people um, start walking, and I was like, he doesn't need to fight you. He has people for that. Um, and then Bloodsport takes over as a true leader, and he starts delegating. He's like, this person do this, this person do this, blah, blah, blah. And the he tells Polkadot, he's like, Polkadot, Star of the Conqueror, is your mom. And we just see this POV shot of Polkadot, and it's his mom, like, just smashing buildings. And he just goes... And like releases a bunch of polka dots, and he goes, like, and then he just turns the blitz and he goes, "I am a superhero." And James is like, "Well, that's how you die." Literally, a second later, <laughs> smash. I, I did say out loud, "That's how you get yourself killed," and he gets crushed by a tentacle. The only correctly foreshadowed moment, actually, in the movie. Um, and then we get this really cool, awesome shot. Like, it's down to the count, like. Bloodsport's being attacked. Harley's down. Uh, Polka Dot's dead. Nanue is chucked somewhere. He got thrown through a building. Um, And it's just Ratcatcher. And if you flash back to this conversation on the bus that they had, Ratcatcher said she was going to save um, Bloodsport's life, and Bloodsport said that he was going to save her life. And Ratcatcher's holding up her weapon of rat summoning power. And the rats all come. And I just wrote, she did say she was going to save his life. She doesn't see it, but the Starro's arm is coming down to flip up the car she's on. Bloodsport tackles her so she doesn't get smushed and the tossed. The car goes flying. The car goes flying. She covers Bloodsport with his arm. And I wrote, he also said that he would save her. And then I wrote C, because then she's still holding up her rat summoning device, and the rats start swarming Star of the Conqueror, and she says, this isn't our island, this isn't your island, it's theirs. And the rats go whoosh, and they swarm. And there swarm. are so many rats. Remember how I said in part one that the island is infested with rats, because it There's becomes important? There's so many rats. And we know the blood sport has a phobia and the rats are just crawling on him and he's just he's like He's legit <laughs> fetal position <laughs> panicking. And I just wrote go to your happy place blood sport it'll all be over soon. We're almost done. I'm crushing through these. Um I kept watching Starro the Conqueror move and I'm sorry. He just looks too funny for me to take seriously is it like <laughs> Um he's a big giant pink and blue starfish with a giant eye. He looks funny in the middle of the city. It was definitely, like, gave me old-school, like, cartoon comic book vibes, though, which I appreciate. It helps because Star of the Conqueror was first written into the DC Comics in 1960. Harley Quinn awakens from being knocked unconscious, runs, stabs the javelin. She says, I know what I got this javelin for. Runs, stabs the uh, giant eye, creates a hole. The rats swarm in, start chewing on all the star muscles. Um, and... Here's where my final notes come in for this movie. Um, and because he says this line that is... Who is he? Starro. Hmm. He says Starro's dying line is, 
I was happy floating among the stars. And I said, damn America for bringing him here. He was just fine living his alien life. We always shove our noses where they don't fucking belong. Fuck. This is why people hate us. And the social commentary in this movie is so fucking important. Um, I wrote the rat catcher is the best character. I like this movie um, as much as the last Suicide Squad, if not more. Um, I'm going to say a controversial hot take. It was missing the Joker. There, I said it. No, it wasn't. I I missed the what Joker. Would the, what would he have provided to this movie? I would have seen. I would have liked to see him in the end credits. There's not an ounce of things he could have provided. To this I just movie. would. I I agree, but I would have liked to see him in the end credits or something like some kind of tease of him or something. Um, that would have been perfect. I'm Why? glad Sebastian the rat lived because if he had died, I would have stopped watching the movie. Sebastian, by the way, curls up on uh, Bloodsport's leg as they leave. And, uh, oh, we didn't get to the most important part. I was about to talk about it, but go right. ahead. Go no, ahead. You no, haven't no. said anything in a while. No, because I'm skipping ahead of the most important part. Um, they, Bloodsport basically calls Amanda Waller, who has an ice pack on her head and has regained consciousness from being whacked the shit out of, and says, hey, we get out of here. Not only do we get out of here, but we get released. My daughter gets released, just in case that wasn't clear. Or... We leak this information to the press, and not only have I the actual hard drive, but I've uploaded to a secure server, and if you kill any of us, it's going viral. And she's like, deal, because what else is she going to say? Because that was the whole reason of sending him there, is that this information never go public. So Rick Flagg's dying wish doesn't get fulfilled, but Suicide Squad gets out scot-free, which, you know, we love. Um... And they do, they escape, they get out. News spreads across the country of... Uh, what escaped, they've done. Escaped convicts bringing down this alien overlord thing. Which is huge because the Suicide Squad is not supposed to be given credit for anything that they they're do. They're also not supposed to exist. Yeah, they're not real. So they're the fact that they showed this on TV was... Huge. Amanda Waller's way of fulfilling her promises. Like, yeah, they did that... They're, they're good guys now. We're releasing them from prison. I Fuck. don't think she had a choice in the matter. No, she was blackmailed, but that was her... I was saying that was her way of fulfilling her promise to them. Is like, And making like making it make sense to all of her higher-ups and like the community as a whole is like, heh, 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 here you go. Um, and then it's a fucking superhero movie, so of course we got to the end credits scene. And I got really excited and really upset in the course of, like, 60 seconds because we find out that someone lived, someone we thought was dead, lived through the Star of the Conqueror attack. Two people Well, yes, lived but, through things that they should not have lived through. Yes, but only one at the beginning of this clip. Oh, are you jumping about, you're talking about, oh, I guess that wasn't at the beginning of this clip. This was the only, like, oh, yeah, go ahead, talk about it. You just said a lot of gibberish words. Do you want to talk about the... Weasel, or do you want me to talk about the weasel? Because I was going to talk about the other well, guy. Well, first things first. Um, Bloodsport has Sebastian curl up on his lap, and he like very gingerly like pats the rat because the rat likes him. So he very gingerly pats the rat, and he overcomes his fears, and now he's got a new little rat friend. Great. Also, Weasel lived. 
He did not drown upon drop on the side of the island the first time. Uh, and he just sort of scurries off into the night. If Weasel, Weasel doesn't become the new president of that island, I am upset. Weasel can't speak English. I, that, there is a Weasel can't speak, period. There is a cat who is a mayor. A Democratic mayor. Oh, whatever. Whatever. Go on, talk about it. Weasel's alive. And then we cut to the end credits scene. I get really happy and really upset just to review. I say, fuck yeah, because I think in my head when we hear someone's alive, I'm like, oh yeah, fucking Rick Flag. He made it. He made it out. He did the damn thing. Nope. Because we need to have a fucking spinoff series. Fucking Peacemaker lived through that fucking bullshit. And that is the end of the Suicide Squad. It's an excellent movie. It's a great movie. If you want to not watch a jammed up plotline version of it. Or just you, watch the movie. Just watch the movie. We, we've we literally destroyed it in so many ways. It's an excellent movie. We have done almost as many podcast minutes about it as there are minutes in the movie. Just go watch it. It's great. It's fantastic. We highly recommend um, it's better than most of the Marvel movies. I'm super excited about what we're watching next, because if you don't tune us Fuck to the live, me. our live studio audience got to vote on what we watch next, because they do that every fucking week, and they have voted for the Flintstones live action movie! The first one, not the second one. And we're going to watch it next time! So all you 90s kids, get into your super 90s brain nostalgia set. And I'm going to make James, for the first time in his life, watch the Flintstones live-action movie! Until then, have a wonderful life, be safe, be smart, and follow yeah. us on any of our platforms. Twitch.tv slash CityWavesGaming, CityWaves Entertainment on all social medias. So long, farewell, we've been talking for way too long. Goodbye! <laughs>